Four, three, two, one, let's go. This is the Pick 4 Podcast. I'm your host, Mark. Hope everybody had a fantastic week. Um, got really awesome response from uh, Ty's episode last week. Uh, this week, I have two guests. Uh, Landry is back and Ripley is back. Hey. Let me let me just say real quick before we go any further, you say what we're doing. Ty King, if you're listening, I'm super upset with you for doing so good on this podcast. <laughs> you killed it. Appreciate you, man. We need to get back together and maybe all three do one together because I haven't seen you in way Man, that'd be awesome. But I am going to say that up until the point when I heard you, probably about 10 minutes into yours, I just knew that I was by far the best guest and nothing against everybody else. I'm just that good. God, I text Mark as soon as I was done listening. I said, I clearly got to step up my podcast game. Yeah, well done, Mr. That, King. That was, that was a solid one all around. Um, I'm going to do this at the beginning rather than at the end. If if you guys like what we do, we're getting more and more uh, listens each episode. So if you like what we're doing, do me a favor and recommend it to somebody. Because mm. I want to see if I can... Uh, we can top uh like 50 streams for a week for for this episode that would be awesome i have like a group of people that i blast the podcast out to but i am willing to go to like deeper into the friend groups to people that like i kind of met like one day and i'll send it to them <laughs> and they just happen to give you their phone number accidentally one day yeah, yeah. absolutely um you know do us the regular favor subscribe follow rate all that mess but uh I'd appreciate it if you maybe try to spread the word and and let's see if we can get each episode from this point forward more listeners than the previous. That would be awesome. I like it. Okay, here now, both of my, neither of my guests actually know what we're gonna do tonight. I've purposely kept this a secret. Feels as prejudiced as I am. Let me ask you this, Ripley. A, when did Mark text you? It would have been like two or three days ago because I talked to him about how I wanted to be on another episode, but we couldn't well, figure anything out. What I did, you and I, yes, had already talked about doing another one, um, but I didn't know your work schedule. So I actually texted you both within, I don't know, two minutes of each other. <laughs> see who saying, hey, yeah, see first. who was going to be free this week. <laughs> That's amazing. So this is an accidental three week. Yeah, podcast. and you both have now ended up being here. So th- this will be a fun experiment. Um, I, 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 I'm curious if Ripley had the same response I did. Cause I told Mark, cool, I can do it tomorrow. Let's do it. And all you texted back was cool. You don't get to study. And my response is like, all right, awesome. <laughs> cool. <laughs> no. So I've known my father my entire life. I know what his uh, mind is boy. capable of. And so whenever he was like, yeah, um, I was like, okay, what are we talking about? He was like, it's a secret. I was like, oh shit. I don't know what I'm supposed <laughs> yeah, to do. So we're, we're going to, yeah, normally we walk in here and I, for sure, you know, you guys have seen me. I have pages of notes, of notes. And, and, and extra notes. And I, I am noteless and tonight, notes. but I didn't even realize that though, that's a good point. You don't have, notes. I have none notes. Do you know what we're talking about? I do I know so. what we're going to talk about. Here's what, here's what we're going to do. Okay, we're going to make this uh, a rapid fire okay. off the cuff. Uh, I will give you f- four questions through the course of the evening, okay. and you each will come up with your four responses, but we're doing this off the top of our head. 
instead of having a bunch of notes. Yeah, so it's it's literally like instinctual now rather than researched. Yeah. I might say, as as the 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 the, the previous uh, guest had said, I've had a couple of Coca Colas, <laughs> i.e., a few whiskeys. So there's no telling what's about to happen. That's how. That's what we like. All right. So what I've done, I literally like just went through and added these notes on my phone. I thought, okay, this would be a good topic. This would be a good topic. This would be a good topic. But now. I've taken these loose topics over the course of the last few weeks and we've bunched them together tonight and this will be our our shotgun style pick four podcast. So this will either be 30 minutes or it's going to be three Two and a half hours. hours. Yeah. <laughs> I've got nowhere to be. So, uh, cause we'll, we'll, I'll ask you the question. I'll give you a few seconds to kind of brainstorm then we'll go through and we'll just alternate. So I'll, I'll, you know, Landry, give me your first one. Landry, uh, Ripley, give me yours. Landry, give me your next one. But uh, at some point I may like ask for some receipts on, on your thought process here. Okay. okay. Now, is it going to be followed up with like, you've had time to somewhat study cause you know what you're asking. Are you giving your answers? No. And I'm purposely not doing that because if I choose to do this again, I may use some of the same questions with different guests oh. and I don't want to just, you know, go babble through the same junk that I said the previous time we did this. So we're practically okay. being interviewed. Okay. A little bit, yeah. He's discovering all of the deep and dark secrets of our minds. Okay. He's going to use it against us one day. Oh, perhaps. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Pick so this is, this is rapid fire pick four podcast. Okay. So let's do our first one. Our first topic... Um, give me your four, uh, four historical figures that you would like to have as dinner guests. Okay. So four history, historical, do you mean actual human beings? Yes. Okay. Actual, uh, people who did exist, but they are no longer alive. So think, think amongst your, uh. I'm going to go right now. Number one, this is going to may sound a little cheesy to some people, but those who know me will know why. I'm going to say Mr. Abraham Lincoln. Okay. Reason being is that I am a huge, and I cannot put that in more bigger capital letters, advocate for equality. Um, it, it grosses me out that Here, we are in fun. Thank you. 2020, and racism is as strong as it is. Um, whether you want to admit it, whether you don't, I don't care. Racism is a thing. There is a thing as white privilege. And I will argue to the day I die that that thing does exist. The reason I say him though, is, I mean, besides just the obvious, I would just love to sit down and ask him, you know, what is your thought process and what are you seeing right now that, that we need to be doing differently? What experiences have you seen? This is what, 200 years ago. Yeah, probably pretty close. Um, that things need to be changed and how scary is it for you that you're about to go up with the declaration of proclamation somebody um well i mean it he did something where he where he where he got rid of the slaves right 
Yeah, Emancipation, right. Emancipation Proclamation. Proclamation. Thank you. I knew someone would now know now we got there. Yeah. We got three somewhat <laughs> educated guys in here. You're about to step onto that stage and do something that could potentially get you killed, and you don't give a shit because you you know what you have to say is something that needs to be heard. I respect that, and even beyond the, the, the idea of the racism, I am a huge advocate for whatever it is. Stand up for what you believe in. It doesn't matter if people agree with you or not. Don't be a prick about it, but you believe what you believe. I had it tattooed across my collarbone from side to side. What I have in my heart, I will take to my grave, and I stand by that. So I'd love to get Abraham Lincoln at a table. Let's talk about it. All right, very good. Ripley, give me your first one there. So I'm going to go from bottom of the list to the top. Um, you don't have to rank them, okay. per se. It, it, uh, it won't matter. I'm going to kind of go off of that, but I'm going to say Freddie Mercury. Just oh, because okay. he he's kind of did the same thing. He was different. Um, and so for those of you that have seen like the movie Bohemian Rhapsody, um, you know, his parents kind of wanted him to be this stereotypical person. And he was like, you know what? I, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to be my own person. I want to be who I want to be, and I want to make a difference. And he made music that, you know, ultimately led people to be who they wanted to be. Like, the uh, music video for, oh, what song is it? Where they're all dressed up in the dresses. Do you know uh, what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, uh, I Want to Break Free. That's the, that's yeah, the movie. That's the song. And, you know, he got a lot of hate for it, but it was ultimately, it wasn't even his idea it was one of the other bandmates and he was like, you know what? Like I'm going to take criticism for it because I'm going to be who I want to be. And I don't, I don't care what you think. I like it. Very good. Okay. Landry, give me your next one. So historical figure figure can be a pretty broad spectrum. Sure. I would love to sit down with Heath Ledger. Can we consider that historical? I think in the, the, the uh, category of film, he and you and I have talked about this and I'm just going to be honest because I would never steal somebody's words. These are your words, not mine, but I couldn't agree with them more. I think he made the two most controversial films of all times. I, I said that you did <clears throat> maybe not controversial. So you talk about broke back mountain. Mm, yeah. I'll be honest. I've never seen the whole thing, but I have seen pieces of it. I'm not above watching it. The idea of it didn't bother me, but I watched it. I mean, it's kind of a stupid movie, but he knew going into that how criticized he would be. Sure. You're a big, burly, like, big, everybody knows who you are, and you're going to go play in a gay dude. What's wrong with you? But he knew going into that he would, and he was going to make a huge statement. And then to go and play The Dark Knight, I'm a huge Batman fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't get real big into superhero movies and stuff, but The Batman, I've, I've seen every single one of them. I'll see every single one to the day I die. There's no way mm, this may be a different podcast. He was phenomenal as a Joker. Sure. Um, but to sit down, and, yeah, I would like to pick his brain on how he how he trained for that, and was he a method actor? Which I'm assuming he may have done some method acting for the Joker. I think that could be a lot of the reason that led to what happened. That's just my personal opinion. I have no idea to take him to that dark of a place, but to know, like, hey, dude, you're about to go into Brokeback Mountain and essentially ruin your career for a movie like this do you care and then i would just love to know how he prepped for what i think is probably top three um performances of all time 
being the Dark Knight. You know, Broke, Brokeback Mountain, uh, that was still kind of on the early days of it really being acceptable to come out. Exactly. I think if you made that movie right now, I don't think it would have as big of an impact no. as it no, does. No, it wouldn't. I, that's funny. I was watching an Old Navy commercial today, and the very beginning of the commercial was clearly a... Um, I don't know the correct term. It was a male dressed as a woman in a dress with a hair. I can't, I don't know why my, my blanking on the term. It doesn't matter. Transgender. Thank you. Who started that? And I, I smiled from ear to ear to say that there's no way that this woman would have been in a commercial two years ago. Oh, no, no and way. She was the star of an old <laughs> Navy commercial. I even told myself good for you, old Navy. Yeah. So for those reasons, I just think it'd be cool to talk to Keith, to Heath Ledger. Okay, cool. Good answer. Or Keith, his brother. So, going off of what Landry said, yes, he was a method actor. Um, he actually a- isolated himself in a hotel room for three months. Whoa. And uh, kept a journal over um, just how different he became from day one to day 90. Uh, he wow. He studied how hyenas laugh. That's how he got his <laughs> cackle. Mm-hmm. And then he... Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I can't do it. There's no <laughs> way. Um, but... The third person that I would want to pick, um, mostly, or yeah, well, the second person that I would pick is uh, Chris McCandless. For those of you that don't know who that is, that's uh, Alexander Supertramp from uh, the book Into the Wild. Phenomenal pick. So if you think about it, Chris McCandless was a guy that graduated, I think, from Georgia Tech, who ultimately his parents wanted him to fit the mold of the stereotypical 1970s white male. And after his graduation, it's kind of depicted in the book and in the movie. Um, he was like, I like, why, why do I have to have a new car? My car works fine. Why do I have to live in a nice house? Like my house that I live in is fine. And his parents were, excuse me, he, he was just like, you know what? Like, I want to be my own person. And his parents were like, no, like that's unacceptable. So he ultimately took all of the money that he had, got enough money in order to get him gas. And he said, okay, as whenever I run out of gas is whenever I'm going to, you know, leave this car. So he took his money, took his car and ultimately ran out of gas and burned his money and was like, okay, I'm going to do my own, my own damn thing. And traveled from Mexico to Texas to California and ultimately up into Alaska and just lived off of the jobs that he had to have in order to get supplies in order to live in the middle of nowhere. And he just didn't fit the mold of anybody who, you know, where you get stereotypes. He wanted to be the complete opposite. Yeah. um, Did you know they they took the bus out? recently i think over the summer you told us about that and i think it upset me so much it really did really bother me so i didn't delve into you text me shane and chris on our group text mm-hmm. and i remember saying like no what the what's the reason for that because that legitimately bothers me because i think that story goes uh, way deeper there than was way too many understand. people trying to get out there to it that had no business trying to get uh, out there to it just because of the movie maybe yes. in the book too okay. yeah well, and I'm sure, I'm sure it was probably another thing like the Blair Witch Project, yeah. where everybody just wanted to be out you, there. You love it to death. Yeah, and so like, kind of like what you were talking about, um, how people would just go out there, and people that you know aren't trained to live out in the wild and are willing to face wolves, bears, moose, 
or any giant animal that is capable of, you know, tearing you apart, um, you have no business going out to a bus in the middle of Alaska. That's that's a terrific movie. Uh, the book is even better. It's fantastic. Um, is it still called Into the Wild? Yeah. Okay. John Krakauer wrote it. Uh, really successful and popular writer of usually things outdoor themed. Uh, towards the end of that book, he's describing a, an event where he is climbing a place in Alaska called the Devil's Thumb, and it is literally a sheer rock face that sticks up out of the top of this mountain range. You have to get there by bush plane. Uh, you get dropped off, and the <laughs> the pilot comes back a day later, drops off a bunch of your supplies, and then you arrange for another meeting date, you know, yeah. weeks from that point, and you hope the weather's clear enough he can get back up there. Yeah. But anyway... And he hopes he has a person to pick up. Yeah, the, the well, yeah. Him describing trying to climb this wow. particular rock out face is borderline harrowing because it's just made of ice and, and it's pretty sheer he's just climbing straight up if you think that that's cool i think you, there's a series you need to watch their docus called uh there's three different ones one's called bigger one's called uh no there's further higher and something else it's about a it's a snowboarder slash rock climber but who goes to extremes and he does a lot of that where the plane drops them off in the middle of nowhere takes forever to climb up these peaks just so he can snowboard down for about you know it's probably a two or three minute ride yeah but he does some stuff where you don't know what the weather is going to do and they're in these you know these crazy expensive tents and they try to open it up one morning and they can't get out because they're snowed in there was one they were snowed into their tent there's probably like 10 of them it's a big tent for like 10 to 12 days without seeing sunlight and not not a one of them complains and then the day they have sunlight they get out and they climb it's real i think you'd really be deeper is called one of them i don't remember but it's really really fucking cool yeah i'd probably like that kind of the same it's really you need to find them they're on netflix um i was gonna say something else about chris mccandless and it i'm sorry it sort of escaped me now uh yeah really interesting character if you I haven't watched the movie. Absolutely watch it. That's a good, uh, you know, you two know, two hour shot of that I story. I've never heard of the story, but I watched it for one reason. That's because it had Emil Hirsch in it, and I think that he's just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, he's really good. Uh, Eddie Vedder does all the music um, in that one, also. I did not know that. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, great movie. Good choice, Ripley. That's also a movie that kind of inspired me to like. Dad always well, not only to just go outside, but Dad always tells me like. Hey, be your own person, like fit your own mold. Um, that's definitely a movie that kind of inspired me to do my own thing and to be my own person. Yeah, if 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 watching that movie or reading that story doesn't steer you in that direction, then there's you already are who you are at that point. You're yeah. not you're not coming out of that that mold that's cool that you that you said that mark i had this conversation with someone last night actually about how i make it a goal and i hope i do a decent job of it to make sure my kids know that i want them to be them and i'm standing behind them i do not want them to be the people that i want that i want them to be you do you i'm right here beside you and that's cool dude that's hard to say because lots of parents say that yep and not Lots of parents can follow through with that. I would say the majority do not follow through. Yeah. I'm trying my very, very best with all of the kids. Do you do this? Let's do it. Yep. All right, give me your uh, third one there. So I've already got my next two in, ha- in my head, and I need people to listen to me and understand that, that like, just just hear me out. 
<laughs> my third pick's going to be Adolf Hitler. Okay. Which I think is probably pretty interesting considering who my first pick was. If if anybody out there can tell me that there is a person in the history of the world who is a better leader than Adolf Hitler, I don't think – I mean, I will listen to it, but I don't think your argument is going to be valid. Um, he was by far How about the a best more influential leader? leader? Okay, okay. You see where my head is, though. Yeah, I mean, I got you. Yeah, that you can rally that many people to do to listen to you and to think what you think and to have completely, completely um, shift your mindset absolutely and, and 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 brainwash you to doing that many fucked up things. I would love to sit down and talk to you. A, give me some of your leadership skills. <laughs> I'm probably not going to use them the way you do. I promise, because I believe in the good of mankind and everybody. I view myself as a leader, um, and I don't say that as a as an arrogant narcissistic comment. Um, I know I am a leader um, at my place of work through certain groups of people that I have and friends and stuff. It's just something that I, f- I feel like I have great leadership qualities. I don't know why, but people tend to come to me for advice, especially at work. I'm going to use work as my probably biggest my uh, biggest example, but people come to me and ask me questions and ask my opinion and Hey, did you see that? This needs whatever. It's something I take a lot of pride in. Um, I think it's a natural ability because I've never done workshops or read books on how to be a natural leader. I just think it's been given to me, and it's something I take a lot of pride in. And and whether you agree with him or not, for the record, on air, I do not agree with Adolf Hitler or Nazism. But I will tell you that something he was able to do or say something about the way he carried himself, I don't know what it is. I don't get it. But I I would love to pick his brain about his leadership qualities, good or bad. I get it. Yeah, you don't have to agree with the 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 message itself and still be curious about the execution of the ideology or sure sure or the manifestation of the ideology to begin mm, with i agree i don't know if i want to go too much in, more into that because i think people are going to get me wrong but just understand that whether you love him or hate him he can't be someone that's hadn't been in the back of people's minds like hmm, i would love to see what was going on in that guy's head yeah all right mitchell so, give me your give me your third one there does it have to be dead people, or can it just be people? Dead is the only prerequisite. Okay. <laughs> the only one. Okay. Um, let's go Sir Arthur, Arthur Conan Doyle. Okay. Do you know who that is? This is not on air, and I wish it was, because my face just gave the biggest what-the-f look. I have no <laughs> idea who that is. So he is the author of all of the Sherlock Holmes books. Ooh. So this is kind of... All of the books would have been written pre-1900. So this is really the stories of, you know, Sherlock Holmes, Jane, uh, Watson, and everybody in between. And I want to know, you know, what made him tick? Like, where did you come up with these stories of, like, a scarlet letter and things like that? Um, just, like, trying to figure out, why'd you look at me like that? So, so, so he's the same author as the Scarlet Letter. Is that what you're saying, or are you using uh, that as an example? Well, like, I don't think a Scarlet re- Letter is right. It's not the right story. Yes, no. but it's like. Uh, he's using that as an example. I'm with you. Okay. But like, just trying to figure out, like, this is kind of the first murder mystery novels kind of known. 
Um, it's not a scarlet letter. It's going to bother me if I can't figure it out. What's the first Study one? Study in scarlet. Yes, there we go. Study in scarlet. I knew it was scarlet something. But it's just the way he was able to develop characters and find out, you know, and be able to make people like Sherlock as smart and as intelligent as they are. I want to know, like, how he came up with these characters and was able to make these stories work for as long as they have, and it's been over 110 years since any of them have come out. Yeah, those are some of my favorite I books. I like where your head's at. Um, you know, we did the uh, favorite author podcast with my mom, and he was one of my honorable mentions. Uh, he was actually a doctor in oh. addition. Yeah, in addition to writing the story, so. Do you do you read like Mark does? Not like he does. If I get really into something, then I will. Uh, I think it's something you should keep up. How old are you? Twenty one now. I'm eighteen. Jesus Christ! <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't know where I, okay. I'm, I'm eighteen. My bad. Well, keep that up. That's something that I never picked up, and I probably should. But at my age, like, am I really gonna pick up a book and read it? I probably. I didn't start until I was mid thirties. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I should. Your, you and your mom kind of inspired me. Like, maybe I should pick up a book instead of staring at my phone. It's it's a matter of just finding the right one to start sure. with. Sure. My mom gave me some books when I was younger to start reading. I liked him. Um, I'm looking at David Bavalci. It wasn't him, but he's got a bunch of books like that guy. Uh, James Patterson. Mm, really yeah, he, reads, there's plenty to choose stuff. from. Uh, that, uh, I think that's something you should do. That's pretty cool. Good for you. Thanks. Okay, uh, what are we down to? Number four now? This Your fourth my one? last pick, and I said my last two would be controversial. Mm-hmm. 100%, I would love to sit down with Mr. Ted Bundy himself. Damn it, you took my pick. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Well, we can both chat about it. Just okay. because yeah, I talked about not? Ted yeah. Bundy doesn't mean you cannot. Are you kidding me, first of all? With the charisma that that guy has, holy cow, how whether you like his craft or not is really irrelevant. The dude perfected his craft. He yeah. knew what he was doing. Um, I watched a documentary that Netflix, Netflix released about a year or two ago. Well, it was, they released this probably about a month before they released, released the movie, I think to get you hyped up to, to be able to sell the movie that Zac Efron did. Is it? Conversations with the killer. Conversations with the killer. Dude. That was fantastic. I'm going to be honest with you, though. I grew up in West Texas. I grew up thinking that, you know, um, death penalty, death penalty, death penalty. I was always for it. Yeah. Um, as soon as I got done watching this documentary, and the second it was over, I texted you, Mark, and I asked you, what is your opinion on the death penalty? And the reason that I asked that was because of this. I'm not saying that Ted Bundy didn't deserve to die, but whenever, have you seen the documentary? Yeah. Surely you have. Oh yeah. Where it showed, I mean, there was hundreds of people outside of the prison across the street. that were essentially tailgating like I've done for Texas tech football games, <laughs> right. partying, wearing t-shirts, holding up signs, celebrating the death of another human being and knowing like it showed one of the, the broadcasting cameras kind of pan over to the, to the prison where he was essentially being executed at that time. The pit it left in my stomach is something that I don't know if I've ever ever could compare it to that grossed me out i'm not saying ted bundy didn't deserve to die i'm not saying he did that's your opinion and it's your opinion 
to celebrate the death of another human being in that fashion made me sick to my stomach and I did I don't know how I feel about the death penalty. Anymore. Yeah, I I'm in that same train uh for a long time, you know, growing up, you sort of just inherit the things that you hear around Absolutely, you. Absolutely, whether it's in, here in West Texas. Yeah, yeah, whether it's actually happening in your house or you pick it up mm-hmm. just in the in the community. I think the social the socialness of it is more than Yeah, I am infinitely different thinking now than I, than I was through high school for sure. I mean, lots of people are, but I think to, uh, sort of go from one end of the spectrum where you begin and Mm. change your ideology for various reasons. I mean, it could be a hundred things, but, uh, yeah, I, I, dude, it's hard to put into words. Um, I'm right there with you, man. Yeah, and lots of those people had nothing to do with any. It's one thing you to know, advocate for it if if something he did fight. directly affected you. I couldn't agree more. So, so it was your sister was happened to be one of the uh, victims. the victims, or your daughter, or your best friend, something along the line. Those people that were partying were not family members. I'm gonna. No. Like, I can't speak for anything, but I don't think that any of the family members showed up for that. I just, I just don't think that that was the time. I think that I could be wrong, but those people partying, the ones I'm imagining in my head, were dumbass college kids who thought it was the cool thing to do, and it grossed me out. So, do you want to know a crazy thing about Ted Bundy? Oh, I'd love to know a crazy thing about Ted Bundy. So, the movie with Zac Efron mm-hmm. is based is based on a book <laughs> written by the girlfriend that is portrayed in that movie. Okay. It's basically talking about her living with Ted, her meeting Ted, or in chronological order, her meeting Ted, her living with Ted, Ted being part of her life. And then her finding out everything mm-hmm. where he would just disappear. Cops would show up. And then ultimately she was the one that reported him because of the sketch that was given. And so she was like, it's just a hunch. Like there's no big deal. Um, like it could be this guy. And then it was one thing after another and it snowballed. And it ultimately, you're making me burp now. Um, it ultimately, <laughs> led to, of course, him being arrested. But the fact that he was able to represent himself in court and make it somewhat of a trial, I think is the most impressive narcissistic thing I've ever seen out of a serial killer in me knowing a lot about it. I, I don't I don't think you can argue that comment, too. And that's one of the reasons that like, I chose him over some of the other ones that I think are pretty cool is because his charisma. He was super educated. He believed he in himself, he, if nothing else. Okay. <laughs> the fact Tell that he, he like bet on himself that he was gonna sure. win that trial. And Tell you can me, you though, can see um, it you can see it in all of the interviews. Okay, now hold on. on hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't think you can put that much weight in the belief that he was gonna win when he escaped twice. Oh, for sure. <laughs> that was going to be my next point. The fact that he jumps out of a window. Yeah. Not, not once. Twice. Yeah. Not, yeah, twice. <laughs> and he just shows up and Whitten froze his ass off in the forest in Colorado for like a week. A police station. So uh, I, the belief I don't think was I don't, that I, strong. I don't, yeah, he doesn't... I'm sure he, in his mind, whenever he's like, yeah, I'm going to represent myself, I'm going to do a better job than this dumbass. Okay, and now I, I think you hit the nail on the head with the narcissism part. Because even after getting caught, 
as soon as the camera hits him, what happens? He's it, the charm turns on. He's like, "Hey, I'm I'm Ted. I fully like, I, be- I fully this. believe that you know I can exonerate myself. This you know, so, it it rings pretty true to a particular uh, political figure that we uh, get exposed to on the tell on a daily basis here. But tell me that it's not like watching the documentary. I will say that the movie was phenomenal. I think Zac Efron absolutely killed it. But the the documentary that I watched before that. I know what it's going to happen, but he had me on the edge of my seat. I'm like 99.98% convinced that he was, but I'm like 0.02% convinced that he wasn't the killer because he had me that convinced. He's fantastic. And just imagine like this, these crimes would have happened 60s through 80s. Just imagine like being a 20-year-old college chick oh, and seeing him on TV. All over the United States. And just There's really like, no telling how many he ended up oh, getting a hold of. Well, the thing is, his ashes were scattered mostly in in between uh, a national forest, I think in either Colorado or Wyoming, because that's where he would take most of his victims. And just, he was like, hey, I want to be buried here because I can I can tell you I've left so many bodies that you know about, but there's more, and nobody's been able to find. You remember them. how many he actually was convicted of killing? Oh, it was not enough. Three, yeah. Wow, that's it. He confessed. I that think, was the the Florida ones. Yeah, the ones at Florida State and the frat and the sororities. Uh, oh, where he just bludgeoned them inside of their house. Yeah. Come on, man, you're better than that. <laughs> I do, he got I, away with it. For but 15 he, years. I mean, there's speculation. I do think the, it was. Sorry. That there's hundreds. Well, yeah, the the popular opinion is that it was somewhere between 23 and 30, but then there are also literally dozens more that fit the criteria. Yeah, that that the circumstances point in his direction, but maybe not hard evidence. When he ended that uh, uh, interview, when he was being, of course, this was in the Zac Efron portrayal, and he fogged up the window and wrote hacksaw. Dude, I'm <laughs> come on. <laughs> Way to go, Ted. Not way to go, Ted, but way to go, Ted. Way to go, Ted. Come on, Ted. I wouldn't mind sitting down and chatting with you. But I think at the end of all this, what I'm going to do, I'm going to leave Adolf and Ted on one side and my other guys on the <laughs> other side. <laughs> I don't think we should stagger those guys. Yeah, we're at a really long table, too. Really long. You guys at this end, you guys at honorable this end. Honorable mention. Do you have an honorable mention? I don't. I would say Edgar Allan Poe. Okay. Mostly because of the same reason of... Conan Doyle. I want to see Whoa. where his head was and how he rapidly declined really, really, really quickly. I, th- I think for you too, how cool would it be to sit there and get to talk to a guy that has inspired your father? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's another really that's, big thing. That's pretty solid. Good one. Which guy? Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, I'm sort of debating about which one we talk about next here. I, can't, I think we're going to do a fun one here, okay? Okay. Now, uh, the t- the uh, amount of time that you're dealing with individually will be different, but I want you to give me the four best Texas Tech football players of your individual lifetimes. Of my lifetime. Okay. All right, you're hesitating. I'm going to say, obviously, the best football player to come through Texas Tech of my lifetime is Zach Thomas. Um Linebacker, phenomenal. Went on to play with, I believe, is the Miami Dolphins. Yes, mm-hmm. um, 
Cool story. A lot of people don't know this about me. My cousins are Zach Thomas's nephews. Okay. Okay. So my aunt, not by blood, but by marriage, mm-hmm. used to be married to Bart Thomas. Is it Bart? No, good God, I'm way off. I apologize for everybody for saying that. Um, Zach Thomas's brother. He played at Tech. He was actually probably a better player than Zach Thomas until he got injured. Um, neither here nor there. Cool story, and I'm just going to give these guys a shout-out so we can uh, kind of stretch out our listeners. <laughs> One of his sons is from Amarillo and went, transferred over here, moved in. No, excuse me, not Zach. This is Zach Thomas's nephew. Went to uh, Cooper. Ripley, you probably played against him in football by the name of Ty Thomas. Does that name ring a bell? That would be my cousin. Yep. He's kind of a badass. Went on to play at Arizona State on a full-ride scholarship. Oh, wow. Yeah. Got injured. It kind of sucks. I was talking to him the other day. We had a big family reunion. I hadn't seen him in a while. Um, Last time, in fact, that I saw him, he was like a scrawny little dude. He he walked in while we were all sitting there hanging out, and I was like, oh, my God. I had to make sure that my wife knew that he's only, like, probably 20, 21 years old. <laughs> man, a man, he's a good-looking dude. Don't, don't look stud. at his calves, babe. Look away. <laughs> he's a good-looking dude, and he's a stud. But the dude is carved out of marble. It clearly runs in their now, Are you thinking about his brother-in-law? No. Zach Thomas's brother. Because Jason Taylor is his brother-in-law. No. Who was that's, the defensive end for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I know that that whole story on how they got hooked up. Yeah, no, this is Zach Thomas's older brother. Okay. But, okay, and even even Ty Thomas's little brother is probably better than him. So keep your eye out because he's a senior this year. I'm looking at you just to tell you. Anyways, I think that, keep your eyes open. that he's definitely on my <laughs> list of phenomenal Texas yeah, he, he would have I mean, been in mine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, come on. If, if you don't say it from, yeah, he's just the coolest phenomenal. thing I ever saw him do was the interception against AM that he returned for the touchdown and promptly crashed into the bell. In the back <laughs> of the end zone. I guess I didn't see that. that was amazing. That's awesome. Okay. Give me your first one there. All right. Trey Thomas. I know you're just as good as your brother. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> so I obviously grew up in a different generation of Texas tech football. Um, y'all obviously remember winning seasons. I don't. Um, but my first pick would definitely be Jakeem Grant. Um, all-time leading receiver at Texas Tech. Um, I think I would have been in like sixth grade. But I think Dad and I used to go down to Deb's house and watch him in the basement. And I nicknamed Jakeem Grant Neo because I was obsessed with the Matrix movies. Because he couldn't hit the dude. Yeah, like, when he was returning punts. He yeah. was impossible to stop. He, you know, reportedly, quote-unquote reportedly, ran a four two two forty at his pro day. I believe it. Um, <laughs> I definitely believe it, too. I mean, you see him on Sundays. He returns 80-yard touchdowns, 80-yard um, punts for touchdowns, and, you know, goes untouched. That's a, Yeah, that's a good one. Give me your next one, Landry. Michael Crabtree. Okay, good answer. Obviously, that's going to be on there. You know, y'all, 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 y'all went into depth on why everybody knows Michael Crabtree up here mm-hmm. because of the infamous catch that it's so badass that one of the best plays in college football history, at least for my time, is is was done not only via Texas Tech but in Lubbock, Texas. 
But everything that was Michael Crabtree that led up to that just made that moment even more. So the fact, I mean, obviously you can't see me, but the hand gesture of doing the crab um, (laughs) in Lubbock was just so cool. I mean, the dude is a fantastic receiver. He was a two-time Belitnikoff winner. The only two-time Belitnikoff winner to ever achieve that in football history, and I'm pretty sure to this day, which is pretty cool. So he's definitely going to make my list. Um, Kind of a flop in, in the NFL. He's had some good plays, but he wasn't just what everybody thinks he was. But in all honesty, who really is? You think of people like Vince Young, who should have been, you know, coming out of college. You think he's the best quarterback that's ever, you know, he just that's a whole flop. different set of you know, circumstances. You, yeah, you know, I, I know there is, but I'm just saying, like, when you're watching football and you're like, oh, this guy's going to kill in the NFL, Michael Crabtree is not going to be a Hall of Fame. He was serviceable. NFL I mean, he played football for, player. Uh, probably what? Eight years, ten years. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he wasn't ever like. He's all not a world, name that but... a lot of people would know, but we follow him because we're from Lubbock. Yeah. But I think when you're talking Texas Tech football, I don't think that uh, that Tech would have had near the fans, near the excitement they did those couple well, for, years. Yeah, 07 and 08 for sure without Michael Crabtree. Yeah. All right, so staying on the offensive side of the ball, Jason Morrow, I think he kind of goes right. forgotten around. Texas Tech football, mostly because, A, he played – I think he played under Tommy Tuberville for a while and then had quarterbacks like Taylor Potts and, you know, just kind of played with guys that were borderline mediocre. And then Cliff Kingsbury comes in. That would have been his ju- his either junior or senior year and led the team in yards and touchdowns and was just a bowling ball of a man. He was like 6'5 and about 240 and went in the second round. Yeah, huge, huge guy. I used to think his name was Jason Morrow. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he was he was just a cool dude to watch. A because he was enormous, and B he was fast to be a tight end. Yeah, for a big guy. Yeah, and he was one of the highest drafted Tech players for a while because nobody at Tech really went higher than like fourth round yeah. for about six years. Yeah. In fact, that could be wrong, but I bet you he was the highest up until Patty Mahomes. Yes, Patrick, his mom might be listening. Uh, many years ago, us. I'll date myself here. No, she she uh, tweeted at ESPN on Monday night one night and uh, like basically told the announcers that my son's name, my, is my son's name is Patrick. You need to refer to him as Patrick. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> Early '80s, there was a defensive lineman named. Uh, God, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Senior Sack. Uh, Gabriel. Uh, I knew that's who you were going to say. I'm 99% sure his number. Oh, Gabe Rivera. Yep. Um, yeah, he went in the first round. Steelers took him in the first round. That was 83, maybe 82, yeah. 83, somewhere in there. Yeah. But, yeah, we went forever without having forever. another one. Yeah, he was fun to watch, too. Jason Morrow's a good pick. Jason Morrow was a Jason good Morrow. All right, give me your next one. I'm going to go by a very recent baseball player, although some might think, and he may get like an honorable mention of Grant Little, so way to go for going above the first round. I think that that was pretty awesome, but I'm going to go with Josh Young. Um, baseball player, third baseman for the – did you say football? Or did you I did specify, specify football, yes. I warned everybody before what's going on. <laughs> I could have swore you said Texas Tech football. So how about my honorable mention, way to go, Josh Young, represent. Nice job, buddy. So – Going along with, I'm going to change it up here off the fly with Michael Crabtree. Obviously, you got to go Graham Harrell. Yeah. Um, t- 
tell me how much excitement has come off of watching Graham Harrell throw that damn football like nobody's business. Um, I think he's one of the 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 first. I'm not saying he's the one, but to to start off with the air raid and really get people excited to like, hey, football doesn't have to be running the ball. Let's throw that damn ball because I'm able to recruit good quarterbacks. I mean, look at uh, this is frustrating. I thought he should have won the Heisman that year. Um, but look Can at the I difference. The reason I think he didn't. Yeah. Because of effing OU beating us. We, we we go and beat UT, we go on a bye week, and the next week we go and watch OU, or two OU, and get slaughtered. I honestly got to think if we win that game, Graham Harrell wins the Heisman Trophy. Y'all kind of dabbled on this the other day. Yeah, I, I remember the moment I watched that game, Ty was actually wrong. He said Oklahoma State, and shame on you, Ty. Well, King. no, because we, we beat Texas, then we did, I went and looked. We did play Oklahoma State that next week. And then the week after that... There was a bye week and then played OU. No, you can go back and look at the schedule. Okay, I believe you. Um, okay. I thought it, maybe it, I it just, was OSU in between the maybe two. Maybe I just assumed OSU was the bye week. Maybe. I, I remember I mean, they were actually like ranked at, at the time. at Ryan Berryhill's house watching that game, and I got so mad when we lost to OU that I got up and left in and talked it to was, anybody. And it's the manner in which they lost. We got <laughs> so our bad. head but chopped I, off I, in. The reason I bring that up is because I I say we. I try to refrain from saying we anymore for sports. I, I'm, I'm not over there. I don't say it. I'm not, I have nothing to do with them. More power to any sports teams. I, I honestly do think that Graham Harrell wins the Heisman Trophy if he wins that game. I, that's just my opinion, you, I'll, and I will take it to the grave. That year, there's no reason he shouldn't have won it, but no one believes in Texas Tech. So if you don't believe in Texas Tech, you don't believe in their leader, their quarterback. And the moment you lose that one game, yeah, then, the whole narrative. Oh changes. yeah, we proved you right. Y'all are overrated. Well, you and look, look at the difference I now. Think he should have won. This is what I was fixing to say a minute ago. Is part of the reason why none of the Tech offensive players, particularly quarterbacks, were ever heavily involved in Heisman talk was they were considered system quarterbacks. It's the system that produces all these numbers. Now we advance. We're 12 years removed from that season. Everybody runs this offense. Everybody puts up these similar numbers. And all of the same guys are getting Heisman talk. Like a a certain person with the same last name as mine who swears that tech is okay. Let's forget the last couple of years, but Tech will never be good. Of course, you're going to break all these records with the Big 12 and the NCAA with throwing for that many yards and throwing for that many touchdowns, which he was talking about Graham Harrell, and he also has had the same conversation for another quarterback that I'm sure we'll be talking about soon. But to go with what you're saying on is, is if you have those quarterbacks, if you have the best arm in the league, why are you running the ball in the first place? That's the dumbest argument you're ever going to have yeah. with me. It's not yeah. going to work. You don't you don't put uh, uh, Araldus Chapman on the nope. mound and say, "Hey man, show him your changeup." <laughs> yeah. You don't put Graham Harrell behind center and say, "Let's run the ball." Yeah, hand it off extra good today. No, no, he. he I think he's just one of the best the best things that ever happened to Tech football. Give me your next one there, Mitchell. Oh, I'm gonna go with defense. Mm, I like it. Dakota Allen. I knew it. I knew it. That's where you're going. <laughs> so. No, he hasn't really done anything in the league. But if you look at it, so after his freshman season, ultimately was let go due to an arrest for an armed robbery that happened with two other players. 
But the coolest thing that I think I've ever seen on television is him going to Scuba, Mississippi, <laughs> going to East Mississippi Community College, playing under Coach Buddy, and ultimately, you know, having a comeback year and finding out who he wants to be for himself. Um, Cliff Kingsbury ultimately offered him again coming out of Scuba and then, you know, led the team in tackles two years in a row. I think I'm glad you picked that one because when you talk about sports, I think a lot of times, not you, but when you're talking about sports, yeah, cool. It's a game. At the end of the day, it's just a game. But the the figures that stick out to me are the ones that are doing something above sports and the people you can look up, look up to. We get to he got arrested for armed robbery. Right? Armed robbery and had a possession of a firearm whenever he got arrested. And got kicked out of a D1 scholarship to go play in Podunk, USA. Yes. But the fact that he did not let that get to him, he said, you know what? I screwed up. I'm owning it. I'm not denying it. And I'm going to go bust my ass. Says a lot about character. And if it, it just goes to show that we all make mistakes in life. Some of us littler mistakes than others. Some of them we make some very big mistakes. But it doesn't mean your life's over. It's about what you do with that mistake that pushes you to the next level. And if you can tell me someone else better than Dakota, Dakota Allen to look up for in that aspect when talking about sports i'd love to hear that argument because that's pretty awesome and it also goes to show the character of cliff kingsbury for the fact that he knew what he was getting himself into it was a high profile thing because you have guns involved and you're a d1 team but then honestly the fact that he was on netflix like the dude could have gone to any juco and come back but he was on netflix everyone knew him and kingsbury said you know dude i'm willing to roll the dice on you I'm willing to say, you know what, you are a national figure now. I believe you when you say you've changed. Bring it on. Let's go. And to get drafted from that, super inspiring. Yeah, my thing is, is like, if he didn't get arrested, he's easy, like easily the top 10 linebackers in that draft class. Easily. Like, hands down, you don't lead a team that, you know, obviously hadn't really had a good defense up until – or even an okay defense up until about two or three years ago, you don't lead that team with 150 tackles a season on accident. <laughs> and, and, like, he played his senior year, his last three games, with a broken hand and was like, I'm going to, you know, go all out. I'm going to give everybody everything. It's interesting you mentioned, uh, like, redemption, like second chance redemption stories. I just saw yesterday a video of Nick Saban talking. I guess they have a kid in, in trouble at Alabama. The cry goes out, you know, the first time some kid from a, a high-profile school gets in trouble for something, usually with the law. Oh, he's got to go, you know, kick him out. Nick Saban goes on to uh, say, uh, you, you know, let's talk about second chances here for a minute. Uh Many moons ago, he used to be the coach at Michigan State. Many, 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 yeah, many moons ago. ago. He uh, had a kid named Mushin Muhammad, um, wide receiver, got in trouble. Um, same thing, you know, oh, he's got to go. Can't have this kind of kid on, on campus at school. He didn't do it, kept him. Punished him in-house, you know, suspended for how – I don't even know what he did. I don't, I don't recall. Uh, 
served his suspension in-house, you know, made good with Coach Saban. He ends up graduating, going to the league, played uh, 10 years easy, was a really high-end receiver, uh, is the president of his own company now, and his daughter is about to go to Princeton. See, like, that's... So, he made sure to point that out well, like, real we quick. Need, we need more, like, redemption stories, in, especially in college football. Like, okay, Sean Oakman from Baylor, I understand that he played under Art Bryles, but he also played a year after Art Bryles left. Uh, the man's 32 years old. Everybody knows who Sean Oakman is because he's the player that was tatted out and super jacked um, whenever they played at the Cotton Bowl against Tech. Um, he showed up at half to, at uh, midfield for the coin toss with his jersey tucked up, is tatted out, has the grill face mask. Was it raining abs? Dude, like, <laughs> it was... Like, if you look it up, he's petrifying. That guy... Okay, for everybody that is in the camp of these college kids, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't go to the NFL. Stay one more year. Absolutely fucking not, okay? He, specifically, I think Sam Bradford is example number one of why yes. you don't do that. Uh, Sam Bradford did that. And tore it, yeah, all of his ACLs. First game back. <laughs> Every yeah. ACL. If you, yeah if you, well, he tore molt, like his ACLs, his repaired ACLs. Now, he ended up coming back to be the first overall pick anyway, but that's a huge gamble to take because uh, there are plenty of teams now who wouldn't take that same gamble. Yeah. Uh, Sean Oakman, his junior year, there was plenty of talk of him being the top pick. Dude, he was a monster. At worst, a top five pick. He says no, he comes back, they don't have the same season, and you never hear this cat's name again. And he also got accused of rape his senior year and got arrested. I think you and I, Mark, have talked about in the past about the, hey, you have the chance to leave, you leave. You have you one have year to of capitalize school. when you can. Exactly. You can go back to college at any point in time. That's right. And I don't want to offend all of you guys listening who are athletes in college, but you can finish your last year of kinesiology, I promise. <laughs> like, like Larry Fitzgerald left his junior year and went back to Pitt and ultimately graduated. Exactly. Yeah. And look at where he's at. I mean, has 17 years as a NFL wide receiver. It is a business decision that could set you up for the rest of your life. And then, you know, if he leaves his junior year, he's golden. I don't get it. Uh, I just want to clarify, it is Bart Thomas. I thought it was. I had to just double check, and since you answered me so quickly, and he is a listener, my cousin Logan Clark, you're getting a shout out from all three of us. Say what's up to Logan. Hi, Logan. Logan, appreciate it, bro. Thank, thanks for the quick text, buddy. It is Bart Rager. Look up his stats when you're done. He, uh, he is Bart a- Thomas. God damn it! If I say Rager <laughs> one more time, now Bart Rager played. Yeah, but he will uh, but, never make, uh, yeah. he will never make the top four. He will not be on Pick Four Podcast. Bart Thomas. That I just want to clarify that I didn't okay. have that right. He played I think he played defensive back, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's yeah. a good player. Okay. Uh where are we at? I don't uh, even we're know. We're on our last anymore. one, which I'm sure we're both gonna agree, so let's just talk about it. You'd be an idiot not to say it is p- Patrick lifetime. Mahomes. Huh? It's my lifetime, not your I'm lifetime. still alive. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we are obviously gonna go with Patrick. Mahomes. Okay. Um, I've had this argument with a lot of people. 
and I want honest to hear we're all pretty damn close. Did you think when you were watching Patrick Mahomes play college football that he would be what he is in the NFL right now today? Can I answer that honestly? You have to answer it honestly. Uh, yes, because I told – I remember we were driving home from baseball practice three days before the draft. Okay. I said – I looked to Dad. I said, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to go in the first round. No, no, no. I no, don't... but listen, listen to what I'm saying. Okay. He goes – Dad's like, nah, third round at best. I was like, okay, but look, you don't lead the nation in passing and and touchdowns on accident. You don't throw for almost 10,000 yards in two seasons on accident. And you also don't almost throw for 100 touchdowns in two seasons on accident. And he didn't turn the ball over a lot. Okay. Now, let, let's... Let's. I wish this was on video because Mark has the biggest <laughs> smirk for this argument, and I can't wait for it. Okay, let's let's make a comparison then. Okay. All of those numbers don't correlate. Now, this is after the fact, but you can't take those and directly insert that into an NFL level program, and and you you can't expect those things to happen. Yes, correct. But for the same reason that Graham Harrell never got a yes. real shot, because Graham Harrell led the nation in touchdowns his junior year, was the career leader after the the end of his senior year until Coke Brennan caught him. He, we're talking about the exact same style offense. Now they're not the same player. I was fixing to say, but look at the things that physical, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, their physical can do. characteristics are not the same. Patrick Mahomes can throw things like uh, through a brick wall then that was not Graham Harrell's strength no. Graham's was I'm gonna throw it much, over your head well Graham was a lot more putting the ball in a spot at a time yes Pat could do the things that he clearly do, uh, like he does things that nobody else in the NFL can do from a physical standpoint of throwing the football yes and do I think it was smart for Andy Reid to sit him for a year it was a phenomenal thing Alex Smith. Well, they had the look. Okay, and this is going to be an argument for every other NFL quarterback that ever gets drafted. You luck into the spot that you end up. Oh, for sure. Because you could very easily end up playing for Adam Gase. You could very, very easily end up Bruce playing Arians. for. Uh, it all depends on fit and opportunity. Yeah. But, like, Alex Smith said going into. Um, week 17 of that 2018 season or 2017 season, whenever Patrick Mahomes made his first start, Alex Smith was asked, hey, how do you feel about Patrick Mahomes starting his first career game? And Alex Smith said, I should have lost my job in week four. So this is pretty cool. <laughs> like he came out and was like, yeah, um, he threw for seven touchdowns with our second team offense against our first team defense in practice every single day. So I think I should have lost my job, but I'm glad that I'm here. I mean, I'm not trying to diminish the the caliber player he is, but he I, he, he fell into the, the honeypot with oh, Andy Reid and the did, guys around him. I loved watching tech football at that moment. I felt like, you know, we had Harold, we had Grab, Crabtree, and we had Leach. And then we went to kind of a lull. We had some decent quarterbacks, but it just wasn't quite as fun. as something about Patrick Mahomes on that – Field, beating out the two guys he did 
which yeah. one is still an NFL quarterback, and they were they talk about him on ESPN all the time, and he's <laughs> phenomenal. He really is. Love him or hate him, he's a good quarterback. The other one still made it to the league. He didn't do much, but he was good. And the fact that Patrick Mahomes beat up both of those guys, I think is pretty impressive. Even, even knowing all of that, there's no way you can tell me honestly that you think that he was the caliber of quarterback he is now. No, you couldn't. That you saw him playing that. for no. Texas Tech University, the only team who gave him a chance. Okay, yeah. everyone else passed on him. He, I, I correct me. You okay. probably knows. Was he a walk on? No, he was. He was a no. I, and I can say, I, I knew, but he also, I knew that he was doing the baseball thing. Yeah, I knew, decided to play football. I've always been curious how much, how good of a baseball player would have been. Well, well, well he done was for having the balls to say, "I just got drafted out of high school, first round, million plus dollar sign-on bonus. I'm going to turn down just to see if I can play football." But the reason I think he is the best thing to come out of Tech is not because of what he's done at Tech. I mean, in the NFL, is because of what he's done from where he was at Tech to where he is in the NFL. That dude has grown so much in the last, what's it been, five years? Three. I just, no, it's four. But, but since he was this is either tech, year four or five. Yeah, I just think it's it's amazing. Like, he came out, I, I honestly thought he was going to go second round. I think third round is a stretch. I did not think he would be a first-round quarterback, especially a top-five pick. But there's no way in hell you would have convinced me watching him play at Tech week in and week out that he was going to be – the face of the NFL. No. No, I mean, no, no. come on. The other thing is, so Bruce Arians, head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who was the coach of the Cardinals at the time, it was between the Chiefs and the Cardinals who was going to draft him because ultimately Andy Reid was able to pull the trigger on a draft before on a draft pick before Bruce Arians was. Mm. Bruce Arians told Andy Reid, if you don't pick him, I, I will and I'll make you pay for it. <laughs> And because that's just he the kind of guys. Yeah, he was like, you know, I'm either going to put him in Cardinal Red or you're going to put him in an arrowhead. And ultimately, we see where he's at. I think it's worked out okay. Oh, for sure. That's pretty cool. Okay. So we've done uh, the dinner guest, we've done tech football. Okay. Give me. The four decades that you wish you could have been alive in previously. Okay. I have to ask, but I believe it was the 1920s when Prohibition existed. Yes. Correct. Thank you. I would love, A, to live in the 1920s. B, send me up to New York. <laughs> and I would love... I don't want to just be a bootlegger. I want to work straight for the Capone or the Bucky's, <laughs> all those guys. I, th I think sometimes, for, for one, and this is probably number two reason it's pretty high up there, I want to wear a three-piece suit every day to work. <laughs> they're they're With lounge the wear. With the fedora? Oh, absolutely. I'm wearing sweats and, and a hoodie right now because this is comfy wear now. Comfy wear back then was wearing slacks and a fucking vest. You took your jacket off. I mean, then you were come on. <laughs> I would love to live in that time. I, I'm a huge fan of the show, and I say huge fan. I just started watching three weeks ago as I'm already through season seven of the show Moonshiners. Yeah. Not, not familiar. Me neither. It's a... Uh, 
it's a reality show, but they follow like four to five different people who are moonshining right now in the Appalachians, mm-hmm. mostly North Carolina, some in uh, Louisiana. For people who like whiskey or just like cool stuff, y'all need to watch that show. It's pretty neat. Um, Moonshiners. But because I would just, I just think it'd be so cool to kind of go against the grain to capitalize on something like, hey, the law has made this illegal. We're going to capitalize. We're going to run the show. How are we going to make this? Like watching Moonshiners makes me want to do this even more. But to, to see the stills and to see the art and the science that goes into making a good whiskey, I love whiskey. Um, but I also think it's pretty intriguing kind of going against the grain and going against the law. And, and to just be a part of the Bucky Dents or the uh, Al Capones, I just think would be super cool. So absolutely going to go live in the 1920s. Sweet. What's the movie with Robert Redford about <laughs> Prohibition? Oh, The Sting. Yeah, great movie. Have you ever seen The Sting? Good movie. Yeah, um, well, if you like the nineteen twenties, yeah, you'll you watch that. That's movie. a terrific movie. All right, so mine being kind of the history and music buff that I am, um, I would say the sixties, just because of the greaser, slick back hair, Converse and leather jackets that you get <laughs> off the like just walking down the street, and you'd have like the pocket knife comb. That you would take out and like slick your hair back. Because you have luscious locks. Dude, I've got killer hair. And I take really good care of my hair. Do you... uh, How much of a fan of the music of that era are you? Like, I mean, to dive in, I would love to be able to experience Elvis in real time. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. And to be able, or the Beatles. yeah, like I don't like the Beatles now, but to to be able to experience, don't look at me like that. The Beatles are overrated. Oh, no. um, shots fired. Um, but to be able to experience music like Jimi Hendrix, and to be able to experience the Beatles and Elvis in real time would be really cool. Okay, I like it. Does this mean you're a fan of the movie Grease? <laughs> not at all. I do not. I do not like Greece. I don't. I don't hate where your mind is. I like some of your reasons. <laughs> how to Beatles? get that clear? <laughs> Other than the Beatles, but I'll take the argument. But if you were going to tell me like Greece, get away from me. No, I'm not going to go dancing to Grease Lightning just because I feel like it. You don't want to sell off into the sunset with Sandy. No, not at all. This may be one of the hardest questions I've ever been asked because that like first question one yeah. is an easy one to answer. I think that'd be a, a fun time to live in. Um, Mine's easy because I've only lived in the 2000s. So there's so many decades that I haven't experienced that I would love to. Well, let's hear your number two then. Um, The 90s. To be able to experience Nirvana and grunge music, like just as kind of a turn of the century thing. Kurt Cobain was actually going to be, I was debating between him and Ted Bundy, by the way. That would have been a great choice. Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. But like to be able to experience Nirvana and Red Hot Chili Peppers in the midst of all of it. Dave Matthews? I mean, all of it. Like give me the windbreakers and to be able to watch, you know, 1990s Yankees baseball on TV, like, give it to me. I like that argument. 
Like, that's pretty good. I'm going to have to say, I'm going to go with, uh, like, the 60s, 70s with uh, um, the hippies. What's, uh, Woodstock, I'm assuming that was 70s. 69. 69. Summer of 69? That's correct. For anybody that knows me, the person I was probably about 10 to 15 years ago would have killed it in that in that <laughs> decade. I would have been the guy. I just think it's pretty cool where, where life was probably a lot more simpler if you lived that lifestyle. Um, I've met plenty of patients and stuff doing what I do that have talked to me about kind of living in that era and that live free, free spirit, peace, love, dope. I think it'd be fun. I think yeah. it'd be fun. There was... Uh, I can't remember what show it was, but he's talking about, I may have made love. Oh, it, duh. It was the opposite. It was Creed starts talking. A man, a man may have slipped in. There's no way to know. I've I've made love to various women, mostly in the mud and the rain. There's a very good chance that a man might've slipped in once or twice. There's no way to know. know. I'm not saying I want to marry (laughs) Clarify. Clarify. Um, let's think. I know what my number one would be, but I would definitely want to experience the 70s as well. Not because of the whole hippie thing, but just to be able to, like, if you think about it, think about what happened early or late 60s, early 70s. Like, there was the Kennedy assassinations and the rise of Vietnam and the craziness that the 70s were. But also think about like the super cool cars that came in with the sixties and the seventies. But that's just me. No, I like that. And the nineteen seventy one Dolphins. Only NFL team to go nineteen and zero. Wow. Well, you, I feel it wasn't like you ni- should it wasn't do. nineteen and zero. It, it wasn't seventeen. Yeah. Seventeen and zero. They played like three less. I yeah. feel like you should do an NFL podcast because I feel like you absolutely know more th- about the NFL than anybody I've ever met. Well, that's kind of funny because I actually have an NFL <laughs> podcast. It's called First to Fourth Podcast, hosted by Ripley Youngblood and Nate Gross. First to Fourth. You really do. Like, I, I, like legitimately, I, I have one. I did that on purpose just to plug you. Oh, thanks. But I, Appreciate it. <laughs> I, wholeheartedly, you know more about the NFL than anybody I've ever met. That's oh, pretty thanks. impressive. I'm going to go. Sports broadcasting and journalism major. Oh, there you go. I'm going to go 1890. Yeah, now we're getting back there. Oh, boy. Um, I do think that it would be interesting to see how life was lived before cell phones, before electricity. I think that that's super amazing. It's kind of funny when you think about it, like, oh, I could go to a simpler time. But to them, it makes you wonder where they're like, man, if we could only live in 1840, (laughs) life would be be so much easier. We have to use a lamp? Come on. Can you imagine we just had to make our own fires? Yeah, like, there. okay, for thousands of years of human history, you found a spot, you created a shelter out of the things around you, uh, you made do the best you could you defended it with your life for millennia right then we get to uh you know 19 probably around the depression sure uh living in a house nearer a city not necessarily in it but closer to public utilities right uh, became closer to the norm, and now look at how exponentially 
that's grown from that point, and that's the, roughly the last hundred years. And you look at like you think a hundred years is a long time. That was yesterday when you're looking at when you're looking at the whole idea of history. Yeah. But I just think it would be cool to live that lifestyle of the hunting and gathering. You don't drive to the store. Nope. To go get your meat, you go and you're hunting for your food. And why us men are out there hunting and getting the food the women are at home preparing and maybe making some some clothing and i just think that that idea of life would be very interesting to see how it was and to be you know say listen guys i know you're not gonna believe this <laughs> but we're gonna have a rectangle device that you hold in your hand and place on right here on the side of your face and you can talk to someone in the other side of the world i know it's gonna sound crazy that would be cool uh, yeah, like, now that we're about through with this topic, mine would be, like, pre-European contact. Uh, you know, we're talking 10,000 years ago rather than oh just gosh. decades. Uh, Must be a caveman. Early European contact, you know, 1400s through about the 1700s before the expansion west really got started. Uh, and then... Roughly 1800 through about 1880 when the the movement West was really an ideology and uh, the professions that went along with that. Uh, you, know, you know the name Smith? Have you ever heard of anybody of the name Smith? Yes. Uh, say it again. Smith. Smitha? Smith. Sorry. Go, yes. Go ahead. So you know most people's last names were based on their trades. Dude, I was just I don't even know where it started. Like that's, uh, that's where they get that name. Exactly. Like places that you were from and your your occupation occupation were or who you related related to were your last names. That's where the names came names. from. So you think of blacksmith and leathersmith and Miller and Farmer. It's pretty interesting. I knew I grew up with a guy with the last name Barber. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine what his great, great 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 grandfather did. And the Smiths probably used to be, you know, you were Ripley Blacksmith. But over the years, it's just got cut down to where everybody's yes. Smith. And that is why the name Smith is so widely widely spread out about among our um. Our heritage, I guess, you say, is because of everybody was a smith of some sort. I just think that's super interesting. Dad, what did our ancestors do with no, our last name? I, I don't, I, <laughs> I don't know your history. I am none of my business unless you know it. But I'd be super shocked if there's not some Native American in there way back. Young blood, dude. It's we are. That was okay. So I mean, you're clearly Irish, but it, yeah, like we are more European than most people who live in Europe. Uh, we, we've got like Scottish, uh, English, Irish, German. Like my my heritage is mostly English, Irish, uh, some Scottish, and then some uh, Northern European, like Norway, Finland. That's like a real small percentage. And I'm a quarter German. <laughs> yeah, he's got a lot more German in his mom's side than, than what we've got. For a long time... Uh, on my mom's side of the family, there was, uh, it was just sort of accepted as fact that um, my mom's grandfather, no, great-grandfather was half Native. Native 
Yeah. But we did the ancestry. <laughs> yeah, thing you and do. It came back with nothing. She, she and her brother <laughs> both did uh, uh, ancestry.com background, the DNA stuff. There was no native anywhere. Did we all just assume that because of the name itself? No, because their last name is Skeen, which is Scottish. Gotcha. Um, you can look when she was still alive at my great grandmother okay. on on my mom's side, um, and you could you could see some native characteristics, mm-hmm. like uh, the shape of her jaw, high cheek, and the breadth. Yeah, the breadth of her nose, but it did not show up in in the DNA results. But the young blood part, who knows? Like we are exclusively European. It's weird. Yeah. But my decade would be 1980s, with you know the not the necessarily introduction of Nike, but with the hype of Nike and Adidas coming up, and then to be able to watch Michael Jordan and the Bulls and Back to the Future whenever it comes out in theaters, and. You know, to see Jaws on VHS sitting in my living room at home. <laughs> like, just to be able to experience those things would be phenomenal. I think... And the Walkmans. And the, the 80s... Um, hey, I'm cultured, man. I got this. The 80s is probably the decade where consumerism and capitalism really became the, the global juggernaut that it is now. So, do you know why? Okay, I'm, let me start off with this. Boy, think of the color. Blue. Mark, girl. Pink. Do you know why? Why? In the 80s, I believe it was Mattel, I'm like 99% sure, sold one line of unisex toys. Oh, yes. And they decided, how are we going to make more money? Easy. All we have to do is to make two Change different the colors. colors of toys. <laughs> Mattel Incorporated is the reason, and the reason alone, why we think of blue with boys and pink with girls, and why a boy has to be very confident in who he is to wear the color pink because of the 1980s Mattel wanted to make more money. Hmm. And that's why all Barbies, whenever they come in a box, are 99% of the time in a pink box. And also, did you know that Back to the Future had to be reshot with Michael J. Fox? The entire movie had to be scrapped with the original actor. And Michael Who was J. the Fo- original actor? Oh, I, off the t- it is 100% true. Michael J. Fox was the second actor. They reshot the entire movie. Wow. I'll find out, I'll find out who the original actor is. Knowledge bombs. Yeah. Dropping nuggets on us here, bro. So this one, this one might be a little bit silly, but I'm going to end up, and I don't even know if he can say the years. So we're going to go like 25, 40 million years ago. I want to be the only human being, at least documented, that got to see an actual dinosaur face-to-face. <laughs> can you imagine walking by, you're living your life, and you see this big-ass thing walk up that's ready to crush you? Just walk up and like lick you and decide, yeah, I yeah. need a taste of that. <laughs> you ready? You ready for this? Yeah, let's go. All right. So, Michael J. Fox was really the first choice for Marty McFly, but due to scheduling conflicts because of his TV show Family Ties, mm-hmm. director Robert Zemeckis went with his second choice, Eric Stoltz, who eventually got fired from the movie. And Michael J. Fox was recast after the season ending of Family Ties. 
and was the entire movie was reshot in a summer. That's amazing. Hmm. Boom. Roasted. That's actually <laughs> that's pretty damn good. Good trivia. Movie trivia. I like that. Okay, did we get all of our uh, all four? We got them all in. Decisions that's there. That's a tough okay. question, and it's something I've never thought of. Some of the other ones I've thought of, I've never would have thought of that. Okay, here comes another good one, though. Okay. Okay. Give me your four most important Americans. Jesus Christ. <laughs> most important Americans? Can I yep. go first? Please. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Okay, that's a good one. Because not only is he the only president to serve three terms, he is the president. Yes. Plus, he led us through World War II and did it with the best of the abilities that he was given. You know, after Pearl Harbor... Everybody freaked the hell out, and as soon as everything kind of got, not necessarily low-key, but dialed down a lot in Germany, he went over to Japan, and Japan was just like, oh, I guess the Americans forgot about us, and kapow, a giant nuke was dropped on Nagasaki. And? And... He was... Hiroshima. Yes, and Hiroshima. And he was also, I think, he is the only president to ever be in a wheelchair. He had polio whenever he was younger. Uh, I believe that's right. Yeah. There's History. one. Good good one. I'm not so sure I can get four. You can. You can do it. I don't know. But I am going to start off, and I, I don't care what you think about politics. I really do not. And I don't mean you in here, but also you two in here. I'm going to say Barack Obama. Okay. Whether you love him, whether you hate him, whether you like his politics, and the fact that he was able to stand up as the first black president, I think, is fucking phenomenal. Um, we're living in a country where, like I had said before, it's not socially acceptable. He didn't care. I don't know if y'all remember, and I, I guarantee you do, Ripley, you were pretty little, but his inauguration speech, mm-hmm. um, or maybe one inauguration, but it's the night he won. Is the night he he essentially won, not technically inauguration. Do you remember what was on either side of him? Uh, other than his family? Correct. It was two very tall plexi... I don't know if it's plexiglass, but whatever. Bulletproof... Um, uh, like big... Shields. Thank you. Shields on either side of him because people knew, okay, we're just announcing that we're about to have our first black president. There's a very good chance right now that he, before he even gets sworn into office, he is going to get assassinated. Yeah. And he stood between those two tall pieces of whatever the hell it was, giving his speech to take the balls to do that. I think is pretty amazing to know that he is probably going to be one of the most hated people in the history of the United States prior to the last eight years. I think that that, or excuse me, four years. I think that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. But just to say that, Hey, things can change. Um, love me, hate me, love him, hate him. I really don't care, but times are moving forward. People are starting to get socially acceptable. I, I honest to God do believe that him sitting in that chair and sitting in that office took a huge leap into the right direction, whether we're there yet or not, doesn't matter. I do think that that made a huge, huge toll to prove that black people aren't scum and gangsters and all that. There are people like you and I are. Yeah. So I'm going to go with that one. Good one. All right. So speaking on the term of making 
black Americans socially acceptable. Rosa Parks. Okay. Because not... Dude, we're about to get real deep into all of this. Think about what she did. Not only did... Yes, she was arrested because she would move to the back of the bus for a white woman. She sat there and told her no and said, I'm I'm not going to move. I won't do it because I'm just as equal as you. And so she was then arrested. She started the Montgomery bus riots that led to black Americans flooding buses for white people and said, I won't move. And so that started a lot of segregation. That started a lot of, you know, maybe well, it, we... It didn't start it. Well, no, it didn't start <laughs> it, but it brought spotlight to it. And it brought... What year was that? Do you remember? Oh, it would have been 1962. Okay. I, dude, I made a 94 on my star test. I was in the... <laughs> I missed... I missed three questions on the state of Texas U.S. history exam. Dude, I have heard some, <laughs> some amazing. I made a ninety-four. I'm in the top starches. two percentile in the state of Texas. I have heard some amazing things in my life, but the fact that you're flexing on your star test grades <laughs> just made my entire day, and it has been a fucking good day for me. But like, if you think about it, think of the revolution that snowballed after that. And we'll get into more influential people that kind of came with the 60s here in a little bit. Uh, It kind of goes to show, like what I talked about earlier with, you know, the quote that I love is what I have in my heart I'll take to my grave. All it takes is that one person to stand up and people who are are listening or, you know, you tell your kids or something. It just takes the one person to stand up and people will follow suit because I think a lot of people feel the same way you do and whatever it is. You just have to have the the have the nuts to speak on your own behalf. Absolutely, that's a good one. I like that one. Get that tattooed. The nuts to speak. <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, Marcus Luttrell. Okay. I like Luttrell because that's how I read it. But if it's Luttrell, then I'll take it. Um, that whole story is super cool. Uh, the the movie is fantastic. Lone Survivor. Great movie. Seen it. Have you? Yeah. Once or twice? Yeah. It, it really is a good movie. Kind of gut-wrenching. It's all-star cast, but I'm not here to talk about the movie. But the fact that that dude was willing to do what it takes for his country, knowing that odds are I'm not going to make it out of this. But I got to keep fighting. I got to keep pushing. Um, that's patriotism at its finest. I think any four of those guys could have easily bailed went and hid, whatever they needed to do. But really, uh, all four of them as a whole, you got to do what you got to do. It's right when you're, when, you're, when you're taking the oath to defend your country and to do what you got to do and to the fact that all four of them really were willing to give up their life. There's tons of stories out there. Don't get me wrong. I'm not putting any person who hadn't fought for the military down. Uh, we're not saying that your story is not as cool as his, but it's just a pretty, it's a pretty motivating story to see what all went down with that. Um I've seen that movie probably 10 times and I could watch it again and again. I, I would really like to know how accurate it is and how much was put in it for cinematic purposes, but I'd be willing to bet for a movie like that. that well, that's one of those that, that you don't some, tweak. but uh, he very much went back and met uh, the village guy. That mm. There's actually uh, kind of a it. shitty story behind that. Um, and he's a twin, by the way. No. 
Yeah. Wow. Those are trails. I think so. Yeah, I think they're both frogmen. It's kind of like the the kind of the part of the agreement was is that they were going to bring him and his family over. Him being the guy that saved him. Mm-hmm. Um, they brought him over to I believe San Francisco. Don't quote me on that, but I do believe it was California. Kind of put him in a little area. Um, and Marcus kind of quit talking to him and kind of slowly kind of faded away with the conversation. And he made promises that he was going to get his whole family over there because yeah, I'm safe here in America, but what about my wife and kids who were over there? Like they want to chop our heads off like they did everybody else. And it kind of faded out to where the dude, uh, they didn't really stick to their end of the bargain on the American side of that deal. It's kind of sad when I was reading the story, but I, I will say that that's pretty motivating. It's, it's a pretty cool story. Wouldn't be the first time uh, American government didn't do what they said they were gonna do. What? <laughs> wow! What? Believe it or not, Crazy. yeah. Wow. Um. Okay. So going off of Rosa Parks, let's go ahead and get farther into equality and somebody that really pushed for it. Um. MLK. Okay. There's a definite reason why he has streets named after him, but think about the things that he did. He went out and marched with thousands of people in front of thousands of white people and was called terrible things and was sent hate threats and was, you know, probably threatened to be killed all of, you know, every day. But despite it, he went out on a speech and said, I have a dream that one day we'll all be able to call each other brothers and sisters. You know, as somebody that's, you know, really spiritual um, that has a youth group and that preaches to students like, hey, just because they have a different home life or they look different than you or they act different than you doesn't make you any better. You know, doesn't make you any more of a person than they are. Just because they have a mental disability or because they're a different color than you doesn't make you better and it doesn't make them lesser of a person. And that's something that he really stuck to. He really wanted to push for you know, I want to be able to go out and eat with, you know, my friends that march with me who aren't black. People that are white and march with me and believe in what I believe in. Very good. Like this, uh, I, I'm not sure where I'm going with this because this is a pretty tough one for me. I'm like the most like, yeah, fuck yeah, America. I think I'm going to go. With, I just had one on the tip of my tongue and I lost it. Like, I feel like I can't back you up. Sorry. Yeah, take it easy over there. <laughs> um, I already said Abraham Lincoln, which I think that he's hugely influential. Yeah. Um, obviously, I said why. I don't need to go into that again. Um, I don't know. I'm going to pass it to you while I think it's a little bit more. This was tough. Like, uh, I didn't okay. know we were thinking. Do you have one ready? Tonight. I didn't know we were thinking tonight. Mm, kind of. If you don't, I've got. I'm. I'm gonna add to the list yeah, here. Yeah, go ahead and add. Let me think. Just okay, mine. Mine are handcuffed, because you can't have one without the other. That is, Branch Rickey, and Jackie Robinson. Thank you. I just almost said Jackie Robinson, but I felt like the theme of everything I said is the same one. I kind of want to take it a different direction. So thank you. Um. It was very much Mr. Ricky's experiment, and Jackie Robinson would admit as much. Um, but 
Mr. Ricky had to pick the correct black guy to get it done. And it wasn't going to be Satchel Paige, and it wasn't no, going to be anybody else but somebody that, A, had fought in a war with white men, had got along with them in service. Yeah. And that that's <laughs> kinda. He was court martialed. Yes. <laughs> and also because he wouldn't. <laughs> and because he didn't want to fit the mold. He wanted to be like everybody else. And whenever he he revolutionized baseball. And I'll I'll stick to that until yeah. the day that I, I die. I, I think you can safely say that. I'm gonna read something. I, I have this saved in my phone because I think it's it's been hugely important. Um, well before we ever knew who Colin Kaepernick was. Um, this is from... Jackie Robinson wrote this in his autobiography. Uh, there I was, the black grandson of a slave, the son of a black sharecropper, part of a historic occasion, a symbolic hero to my people. The air was sparkling, the sunlight was warm, the band struck up the national anthem. The flag billowed in the wind. It should have been a glorious moment for me as the stirring of words of the national anthem poured from the stands. Perhaps it was, but then again, uh, the theme song for a drum... I'm sorry. Uh, but, but then again, perhaps, the anthem could be called the theme song for a drama called The Noble Experiment. Today, as I look back on the opening game of my first World Series, I must tell you that it was Mr. Ricky's drama and that I was only a principal actor. And as I write this 20 years later, I cannot stand and sing the anthem. I cannot salute the flag. I know that I am a black man in a white world. In 1972, in 1947, at my birth in 1919, I know that I never had it made. Gosh, that's phenomenal. Wow. Yeah. Say something other than wow, I don't think you can. That's pretty amazing. That's from a, a hugely successful black athlete who served in the military. Um, let that soak in. Yeah, that's pretty good. I'm going to say Mr. Henry Ford. Okay. Um, Obviously, I like Fords. Fords are cool trucks, but he invented the assembly line. So the fact that, like, I'm going to do something and I'm going to pass it on to you and you're going to do your job knowing that I did my job and then now you're going to pass it on to Ripley and Ripley knows that you did your job well and I know I did my job well, so therefore I can do my job well and at the end of this we're all going to do our jobs <laughs> and move on and have an amazing thing called a vehicle. That's pretty damn cool. Yeah, And those... uh Everybody at one point, I mean, that was the first mass-produced vehicle. Absolutely. And it, it like the that experiment worked, too. It worked. Now, we'll throw his politics aside. See, I don't uh, know much about his politics, but I, I'm not a big political guy. I don't really get into politics. Uh, but the idea of what he did for the industrial side of things and just yeah. the idea of how we can we can move forward, produce more things, we can provide more jobs, so on and so forth. I think that's pretty amazing. And his family's still hugely influential in, in Detroit. Yeah. yeah for sure. A ghost town. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. My last one. Give it. I'm going to say Lou Gehrig. Okay. And that's A, because 
ALS was kind of not really talked about, but mostly because of his speech, the uh, luckiest man alive speech. Mm. I know Landry's a Red Sox fan, but he can 100% agree with me on this. I respect sports more than I respect Red Sox. Think about you being, he would have been, I think, 29, 30, whenever he got diagnosed, if even that old. He hadn't played longer than four or five years in the major leagues. No. By the time he got diagnosed, he'd already, like, that last season of the streak of the 2,100-some-odd games, mm. he'd started to show some wear. So, okay. like, he was into his he, 30s. He, okay. But think about, he's not talking about, yeah, I've made X amount of dollars, which they made probably $1,000 a season, which, you know, supplied you for everything that you could have needed back then. But the fact that he was humble enough to say, I'm the luckiest man alive being able to stand here and give you this speech and have been able to, A, live my life the way that I wanted to, and B, be able to play the sport that I love and not take it for granted is huge. You don't see a lot of that nowadays. You see people that want $503 million over the course of 10 years. Yes, you get that because you're good, but you also don't bring humility with it. So humility is a really big part in him being inspirational to me personally. Yeah, that's a good one. He was a super athlete. Like uh, he was good at just about everything he tried. Uh, the the baseball documentary by Ken Burns has a, a specific portion for him there, particularly once he died. Um. That guy, you want to talk about an athlete. Uh, there's some pictures of him without his shirt. That guy was yoked well <laughs> this before. Was the, this was in the 30s. <laughs> yeah, well before. like He, he wasn't shooting athlete. up. Oh, wow. I don't think those existed back yeah, then. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, only PED, PEDs he knew were chopping yeah, knee-high fastballs. Chopping wood. Yeah. Good. I like that one. Okay, uh, everybody got their four in there. Yeah, we did pretty good. That's like an hour and a half. Wow. That's a good one. I yeah. Like that. So this is this has been rapid fire session number one. It's I think it's funny because after I did the very first one, when we were in a completely different venue, by the way, we were yes. about twenty feet the other direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I told myself on a left that I wanted to do this, but I wanted to do it the other way around where I had like a whole bunch of questions and I was going to question you. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny that you thought of that. That was pretty cool. This is, this is, I like this. Like we'll, we'll do some more of these. Um, well, you know, re- research is fine, but like I get real answers. Are more it take, fun. it literally take, I, I have to work on it. Like I worked on uh, the sports one with Ty for mm-hmm. three solid days. Well, you get to see kind of a little bit of both people's, mindset or people's you know yes you can research and yes you know like there's certain things but the fact that you can just fire them off like you can make this as, as in-depth or as silly as you want yeah yeah no that's, that's the fun part that's pretty cool all right that's all hold on before you yeah. leave yeah go ahead let us not forget that ripley made a 94 on the star <laughs> test <laughs> Historical i'll put it in the show notes so it's there for posterity all right, appreciate you checking in. Um, the usuals, you know, rate, subscribe, follow, all that stuff. 
and this is the uh, tell a friend episode. If you think we're ridiculous and it, it's fun to listen, tell somebody and uh, let's recruit them to become a regular listener. So appreciate your participation. Uh, you can always email the show at uh, pick four podcast at gmail.com. And we will come at you next week with something hopefully equally ridiculous.